Hello and welcome to episode three of the Black Women's Wellness Podcast. I am Christine Dean, your podcast host, and today we are recording at Traffic Jam Studios. Today's episode focuses on chronic stress, black women, burnout, and its impact on their mental health. Guest today is Lillian Larty. Lillian is a qualified de-stress and wellness coach who has personal experience with stress-related burnout and a related health crisis. Hi Lillian and welcome to the Black Women's Wellness Podcast. So firstly, before we get into our discussion today about chronic stress, burnout and the impact it has on black women's mental health, I would like you to tell us a little bit more about you and your background and how you became involved in stress management and wellness coaching. Well, thank you, Christine, um, for the invitation on this podcast. I'm looking forward to sharing. And um, as Christine said, my name is Lillian Larty, and I have been in the health wellness industry for over 20 years. And I first started off as an exercise teacher, uh, fitness trainer as well, personal trainer, and a remedial massage therapist. And I worked in health clubs, mostly in London. Um, one thing that I noticed with my clients was that they were extremely stressed. They were busy, they lived busy lifestyles. Um, they'd come to the gym, work out, and then rush back out to work, or whatever it was that they were doing that day. Those who had come to me for remedial massage had lots of stress tension in their body, lots of pain as well. And normally I was treating them sort of what we would call topically or superficially, but never getting to the root of what was actually causing them to feel stressed. Um, so this carried on for a number of years and I successfully built up um, three massage clinics in London, as well as I was popular in terms of delivering exercise classes, I would be doing classes like what we call HIT now, you know, high intensity classes, um, cycle, um, aqua, aerobics, the hardcore type of exercises. Um, but after a while, I noticed that my energy levels started to be affected. And I thought, mm, this is interesting, you know, um, but I carried on, pushed through. I was working 12 plus hour days, not really taking breaks. And to be fair, I guess I was overtraining as well because you, as a trainer, you still need to keep up your training and be fit as well. And um, it was back to back for me, back to back clients, back to back training classes, um, going to do my fitness clients and then going to do the massage therapy as well. And then at around age 39, it was just, it was really a struggle for me. Um, and in the industry, you know, there was this word, be careful you don't burn out. And I thought, burnout, you know, what's that? That would never happen to me. I'm invincible, I'm fit, I'm healthy. But um, as, you know, as always, a lot of us carried on. Um, and it, it just felt like I was on this endless treadmill. And then at the age of 40, I remember one day um, going to a class and just feeling unwell. That's all I could describe was I just felt unwell. And I noticed that I needed to have naps during the day as well. And I thought, no, this can't be old age, you know? <laughs> um, and I didn't really know of anyone in the industry who had burnt out. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I've never seen it. Um, but slowly but surely, it kept on going. And then what I noticed was that um, 
I wasn't performing at my best, at my full potential. My numbers started to dwindle in my classes. And, and I just started to feel just at odds. I, I just was just disillusioned with the industry. I was just feel, felt like I was running on empty. Mm-hmm. And then um, one day I had an, uh, a talk with the group exercise um, teacher who she was a coordinator, coordinated all the classes. And she was like, what's going on? You know, your numbers are dwindling. What's happening? So I explained to her how I was feeling. And she said, hmm, sounds like you might be burnt out. And I said, no way. She goes, yeah, she says, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it before. I said, no. She says, yeah. <laughs> so she says, look, just take a break and see how you feel. So I took a break. Um, but at the end of that break, I was still not feeling great. So I decided to drop some of my classes. And um, one day I woke up and I could not get out of bed. Literally, I just felt like, oh my goodness, what is this heaviness? It was a struggle to get up. It was a struggle to even go from my bedroom to the bathroom. And it just felt like I had a lot of brain fog and it felt like I, I had this really heavy flu that I just couldn't shift. Now I was used to fixing my body, fixing the bodies of my clients. So it was really strange that this just went on and on for weeks. And then um, I went to the doctors and the doctors were like, oh, you know, it could be stress because I was coming out in all these rashes as well and just different things happening with my body. And I was like, stress? I said, no, 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 that's that's not me. I don't do stress. Um, so I just thought, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll just carry on. And um, and I, I was just missing days, missing days of work, having to get cover. And then uh, I did an, uh, a course with um, a guy who was an ex, he was an ex personal trainer and he had developed his business um, as a nutritionist. And one of his, his courses that I went on was around weight loss. Obviously it was not for me, it was for my clients. And, and I said, oh yeah, okay, I'll do it. Um, and as one of the modules, he covered stress, stress and weight loss. And he went through all the symptoms of the stress and then at the bottom with these big words, burnout. And I was like, whoa. And all the symptoms that he was talking about, I was like, okay, that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar with my client that I know. Oh yeah, actually I'm feeling that as well. And I was like, no, no, not burnout, not for me. And, um, and so I spoke to him afterwards and he says, he says, yeah, you're burnt out because he had burnt out as well. So I was like, so what do I do? And he says, well, there's a protocol that I did, which I can give to you to try. And it was a nutritional protocol. So it was doing a detox for a few uh, few weeks. Well, a few days, sorry, two weeks. After I did that, I noticed my energy levels came straight back up. And I was like, wow, what is this? I need to know more about this. And I need to teach my clients this. So I did the protocol, taught my clients, I, I exercised differently because he said to me, no, you've got to cut back on your training um, and different things I had to shift as well. So I said, right, okay, I know I haven't got the energy to continue with my three massage clinics. So I closed two of those down, carried on with the one, said bye-bye to my fitness training clients, closed all my exercise classes down. And then I said, right, I've got to change things around in my business and how I work. So like what this guy did, I started to do nutrition as well. However, even though physically I stopped working 12 plus hour days, mentally and emotionally, I was still working 12 plus hour days. I was not able to switch off. 
And in working with this guy, he, you know, he was my coach, I started to get to the root of why I chose to work the way that I worked. And I thought, I can't go back to physically working 12 plus hour days. And when I looked at the root of what was my work ethic and why did I drive myself endlessly to perform at my best, to, to you know, achieve these high extensive goals. When I looked at the, the root of it, it was down to not feeling good enough, not feeling good enough as a woman, not feeling good enough as a black woman. And also when I really looked at, at what was underneath was the, the racism that I had experienced as a, as a young child in, this, in the UK. So working through that and, and, and looking at, no, okay, I need to deal with that, all the trauma out of that as well. And, and also carry on in a way that worked well for me and my well-being. However, during that period of time in 2016, my dad passed away. And, and I thought I could just, just breathe through, push through. I didn't deal with the grief effectively. And during that time, I, I was working for a coaching company and they were doing some changes. And I just thought, no, this is not for me. I, I need to move on from there. So in 2017, there was a, a lot of soul searching for me. You know, the loss of my dad and um, the change out of this company. And I was asking myself, who am I? You know, what am I here to do? And um, carrying on with that in 2018, I came across another coach who I was working with as well. And again, it was towards the end of 2018, I started to feel the same symptoms that I'd felt when I burnt out. And I thought, what is going on? Anyway, I didn't have time to search for that. Um, one day I was at home and I could feel this severe heart palpitations. I was coming out in a sweat. I had this really strong headache and chest pains as well my legs felt like jelly and again I was asking myself what is going on with me and um, I was I was at home and I, I said to my mum I said I don't feel well I'm gonna go to A&E and she sat up and she looked at me like no there has to be something wrong for me to say that now normally when I would check my blood pressure it'd be something like 120 130 over 80 that type of thing when I went into A&E it was 190 over 90 the admin nurse asked me, have I traveled? Have I done certain activities? And everything was no, no, no. And because I had chest pains, they you know, advanced me to see the doctor. They did every test under the sun, everything came back negative. So then the doctor said, no, we have to admit you because we need to do further tests. There's obviously something wrong because your blood pressure is still elevating. On the final test that they did on my blood, blood pressure before they admitted me, it was 201 over 107. Now that's like stroke, heart attack, what's wrong with you, you know. Wow. Anyway, they did more tests. My thyroid was, was really hyper, hyperthyroid. I had, I had no iron in me at all, it was chronic. They had to pump me with ferritin. And of course my, my blood pressure was chronic as well. It, it just wasn't coming down. Um, and then after that, they sent me home with a lot of medication and the only thing I could do was rest, literally because every time I attempted to do some work, my heart palpitations would start back. I'd start to get the chest pains and the headache. And okay. it was really concerning. Mm -hmm. So it was from there that I developed what I now calls, call my method of pause and breathe, mm -hmm. which is helping people to 
to navigate that area of stress and burnout, overcome the symptoms and be able to work in a way that aligns with their health and their well-being so that they don't go down that pathway of chronic stress and burnout. It's a long story, I know. I kept it short. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It was very interesting. And, you know, it helped. What you said is, you know, basically leading me into my next question, which is before we explore the conditions in depth, um, could you just explain what is meant by chronic stress and how it dip differs from typical stress and anxiety and what are the symptoms? Yeah, so there are three stages to stress. Um, these stages were developed by uh, a physician in a, called Dr. Selye, S-E-L-Y-E. And he, he discovered that there are different stages. So the first stage is what we call the alarm stage. So say, for example, you're walking down the road and a vicious dog, you see a vicious dog coming at you or you're going to cross the road and a car out of nowhere comes speeding past instantly you'll feel like a sort of fright inside of you butterflies in the stomach um maybe you'll come out in a sweat and then you'll jump away or you'll try and avoid that vicious dog okay once you've passed that what is called as a perceived danger you'll you'll find that you'll start to come down a bit you'll you'll become calmer that's the alarm station that is what we call acute stress mm -hmm. now all of us as human beings we need that that's our body's way of keeping us alive okay it's also known as what we call the fight or flight stress response yes i've heard of that yeah now the next stage is called the resistance stage this is the stage where people go into coping mechanism where they go into they they are experiencing a lot of what we call prolonged stress so prolonged stress is one thing after another. Your child is disruptive. Your marriage is coming to an end. You're going through a divorce. You're, um, you're moving home. Um, you're, you know, you go to work and your boss is having a go at you. Um, there are things going on, danger going on in your environment, but it's one incident after another. That is what we call prolonged stress and that is heading towards chronic stress if we don't deal with the incidents if we don't deal with them effectively. Okay. So that is chronic stress as we know it. Um, there are different symptoms that come with that. Do you want me to go through the symptoms of that? Of chronic stress, yeah. So people can, when they're listening to this, you know, probably can recognise a lot of what you're saying in relation to the first two stages. And then chronic is like, well, well, am I verging on that? What, what do I need to look out for? And I think in terms of people understanding chronic stress, mm -hmm. um, if you could just give a few symptoms so that people could say, oh, maybe I, you know, I might need some help here in recognising these symptoms. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to give you the psychological and the physiological. So starting with the, the psychological signs, there could be mood swings and irritability. You might find that you become a lot more sensitive um, and moody. Um, another psychological sign is um, regular feelings of anxiousness, maybe depression, um, and um, feeling angst all the time, worried as well, feeling overwhelmed, sense of hopelessness, feeling out of control. There's also um, loss of joy and peace, maybe in your everyday life and your work, and possibly difficulty switching off as well, mm -hmm. especially from maybe it's a, a certain situation that you're going through or work situation. Okay. Physiological signs can be heart palpitations, tight chest pains, um, breathing shallow, fast, 
could be the brain fog, muscle tension as well is quite common, um, clenching the teeth and grinding, especially at night time, sleeping problems, insomnia is quite common. And then we've got high blood pressure, hypertension as well, but there are a lot of symptoms, but those are just a few. Okay, so then how would you describe the symptoms of burnout? Are they the same or is there something different in relation to burnout? Those symptoms are different and they're, they're a lot more chronic. So when we get to the third stage that Dr. Saley discovered, that is what we call the exhaustion stage. And that is the burnout stage. That was the stage that I was at and many of my clients have been at. So. Some of those symptoms are what they call adrenal exhaustion or adrenal fatigue. That's very chronic. It's, it's the stage that I was at where you just, you just got no, no energy at all. Um, again, it's um, feeling run down, feeling like you're running on empty, but you're, you're pushing yourself. You've got nothing to give. Um, feelings of compassion fatigue, like, you know, where you used to have empathy for someone's problem, you, you just haven't got it. You just, you don't, don't want to know. Um, and you're more prone to developing diseases, autoimmune diseases, um, thyroid problems, problems like lupus, arthritis, ME, fibromyalgia. Um, for women who are still in that menstrual stage, you may find that you're having um, irregular or no periods at all, hormonal imbalances, loss of sex drive, and psychiatric disorders like um, maybe you're more paranoid, psycho, psych, psychosis, bipolar, maybe the onset of chronic depression and um, anxiety as well. Okay. <clears throat> when reading some of your um, previous work and in interviews, I noticed that you said that um, black women were more likely than white women or other ethnic groups to suffer from chronic stress and burnout. Why do you think that is? I think it's down to a number of things. Um, firstly, our, our work ethic as black people, you know, for a majority of us and the black women that I work with and know, we are, we are descendants of our parents who immigrated from Africa, from the Caribbean, and their work ethic was to work hard, you know, not to be seen to be lazy, um, to come with excellence and we have taken that on and and sadly to the detriment of working so hard that we don't recognize in our bodies when enough is enough there's also the the need to prove ourselves you know um, there was always I, I remember growing up there was always this expectation that we had to do better than our white counterparts um, and again proving yourself to be the top of the class, proving yourself to be the top at doing your job. Because um, I know for, for example, like my parents and my aunties, there was always this threat of, if you don't do good enough, you are gonna be the first to be sacked from your job. And our parents and our aunties, they didn't wanna see that happen for us. So there was always this push. Um, and there's always, there's also this history of our ancestors who were slaves, you know, where they worked 24 hours, literally most worked 24 hours. There was no break. And, and so in a way, there has been that train of thought that has been passed down through our ancestral line, and we've taken that on. There's also you know, racial and environmental factors that come into play. And also for us women, taking on that masculine energy and that masculine way of working in a masculine structure, it's, it's not, it's not viable for us to work in that way. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting and I, and I agree with you 
um, in relation to what you're saying here, because I think there are many, many contributing factors to black women feeling the need and the pressure towards overworking. And I think what you've described in your own experience is overworking yourself. Um, and I think I've had that experience and many of my female black female you know friends family and colleagues also i can see that in them that there's this this burning desire and need to work and you know mm. do 110 150 120 you know 120 percent mm. you know so that we don't seem or appear to be less than our white colleagues in work because we have that sort of inner fear that you know we're going to be overlooked for promotion, yes. we're going to be considered to be underworking or underperforming mm. and be disciplined when it, it's not justified. But there's this sort of inner thing with our, within us that we just need to keep going and to carry on. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the issue of racism. So do you think experiences of race, racism and its resulting trauma also contribute to black women being highly susceptible to chronic stress and burnout? Definitely. One hundred percent. You know, it depends on if, say, you're you're working in an organisation or even if you're working self-employed for yourself, but your contracts are with a majority of the time um, companies and organisations that predominantly have white people working in them and they have this train of thought about black women and our performance. Um, and I've worked in organisations when I worked as an employee of um, just different things that I used to hear in the background of the assumption that as as black people we were lazy um, and and we needed to do more work to be seen to do more work and and that goes back again to the history of slavery slaverism you know the you know the slave master whipping the the, the the black slaves to work harder and there was always that constant pressure and that fear, that belief in the background that, you know, it's not good enough, what I'm doing is not good enough, I've got, I've got to work harder. Um, and th there's always, even if it's not evident, there will still be that, that train of thought and that belief in our background, in our belief. It, it will always be there. Thank you. Hi, this is Lillian Larty, and you are listening to the Black Woman's Wellness Podcast. So I heard you mention um, in terms of your own experience that you pushed through, you just carried on. Um, and I think that's a common experience uh, amongst black women to actually push through illness and to continue working and not prioritising their physical and mental health. Uh, in terms of your teaching and the women that you focus on in terms of who you tried to help, do you think that's a common theme, a common experience? Yeah. Um, sadly, a lot of the women that come to me tend to come to me where they're at that either that chronic the end part of the chronic stage um, of chronic chronic stress um, or they they're burnt out or they're on the other side of burnout and what I noticed you know amongst the women a common theme is the superwoman the strong black woman syndrome um, I have to do more I'm taking on more and more responsibilities um, be seen to be the strong one who can do it. I can, you know, I, I can take everything on, but on the inside, they're crumbling. And there's a lot of pride as well. And, and it's sad to see because there is this fear of failure as well, but there's also the, the fear of missing out. Um, we see others, especially in this age of social media, we scroll through, we see others achieving. 
we, we think, well, why can't I have the six figures? Why can't I earn the six figures? Why can't I be on that beach? Why can't I have that house and A, B and C? Why can't I do it all? Because, you know, someone, whether it's come from the male side or from the female, has decided to say that us women, we can do it all and we can have it all. I don't know who came up with that, but they need to be yes, cast it's out, true. you know? <laughs> you can only do it all if you've got, you know, um, help to be able to do that, even then, you know? So there's there's that as well. Um, and oftentimes um, the, the fear of missing out is disguised um, in the form of being ambitious and driven, mm -hmm. you know? You don't know what, you know, when we see others achieving, we don't know what's driving them. And I used to be that way. I used to think, well, they can do it, so I can do it. But not realizing, it wasn't until afterwards that I realized that, oh my goodness, she was driven because out of fear. Mm -hmm. and, and and there's been so many, so many women that who have, you know, they've stopped their work, especially in, in the, the coaching field, which I'm in, and in the wellness field as well, only to then discover them, come out with their story and say, oh, well, by the way, you know, this was what was happening, you know, their relationships were breaking down, their children were disowning them, you know, their, them as parents, because they were just driven with, I've got to succeed. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, it's, and it's really sad. Um, so that, that has been the main, the main discovery from that. Okay, so basically what you're saying is there's a, a facade with a lot yes, of high wearing achieving the mask. Black, black professional women who seem to have it all yeah. and people like you and me are seeing them and thinking, well, you know, maybe there's something deficient in me because mm. I'm not achieving as well as they are because Absolutely. if they can do it, I can do it. When in fact, you know, it is a facade as I've just said and mm. there's loads of things going on in the background. Um, and one of the things that I, I've discovered within my own self is that I find it really difficult to stop, mm -hmm. to pause and to take meaningful rest. And I thought it was really significant when you said you had to go to A&E and be told by a doctor to go home and rest. And you yeah. had to reach that chronic crisis point mm -hmm. before you could actually just give yourself time to rest and actually recover and allow yourself to have some meaningful time to you. Yeah. So do you again think that is a common theme amongst your clients and amongst the black Definitely, women that you meet? Yeah, um, all the time. Because I do a thorough check with, with my clients and one of the things I ask them is, how often do you take breaks? And I mean breaks during the day. And, <clears throat> and how much time do you spend in stillness and silence and resting, like deep rest? And you know, resting is not just about the physical rest of the body it's a mental and emotional rest as well um and like you said it did it took me to the point of having to go to any &E and be told by a doctor i mean when the doctor asked me what is what was it that i did and i told him i was so embarrassed and he just looked at me and he smiled and he was like okay so you'll be taking some of your own advice then <laughs> i was like oh, yeah um but resting was alien to me christine it was alien it was something i didn't do because again on, on growing up, we we couldn't be seen to be just sitting down and doing nothing. We had to be tidying up the house or doing something, not sitting down. Otherwise, it's, it's considered as being lazy. So again, that's that belief in, in, in the minds of a majority of black women. I recognise that. I'm, I'm, you know, even when I give myself time off and say I'm taking a day off from work, I find myself tasking myself with other things to do all the day that I'm supposed to have off. 
and I've had to talk to myself and say, Christine, stop tasking yourself. You are actually literally going to do nothing yes. and there's nothing wrong with sitting and doing nothing yes. at all, you know, because you're allowed to do nothing. Mm. But really, it's difficult for, for, for us to give ourselves permission uh, to do nothing. And I think that's one of the most difficult things is about give, giving yourself the permission exactly. to actually prioritise yourself. And it's difficult to know where to get that permission from yeah. um, and, ha and how to achieve that state of permission mm -hmm. in terms of focusing on yourself. And um, there's, there's the guilt as well, the guilt of stopping, because women, as women have told me, I feel like I'm letting someone down. You know, I feel like, and even if their parents have passed and their parents have had that driven work ethic, they feel like they're letting their parents down. And, and, and it's sad, it really is. Yes. Um, I know that you work with a lot of self-employed and high-performing um, black professional women mm -hmm. um, and their sort of um, stress and chronic burnout and their experiences. But would you also agree that these symptoms and these issues can impact women who are also carers, carers for children and carers for the elderly? Because I've had recent experience of caring for my elderly mother mm. and the, the chronic stress in relation to that has been surprising for me and unexpected and it, it I mean I have you know I've had I've got children and when they were younger I can understand that stress of trying to look after toddlers and all the rest of it but it never occurred to me that I would be in a similar situation with an elderly parent so what what um in terms of your experience and, and the clients that you have have you had in relation to that yeah um and I totally empathize with you Christine because I um in line with my mum cared helped care for my dad in his final stages um, and when I say final stages it was years before he passed from an illness and and again some of the the women who come to work with me are carers as well both for elderly parents as well as for children whether they're young children or adult children and and yes it is surprising the stress that does occur because you there's this there's this level of there's a lot to navigate when you're and I'm 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 gonna speak from the point perspective of caring for for our elderly parents. There's a lot to navigate in terms of acceptance of where our parents are in terms of their age or in terms of their position of their health. Because you then, as the child, become the carer for or become the parent for your parent. So there's that emotional navigation that you have to work through. And, and oftentimes there isn't that space to talk to somebody about how you're feeling and what you're going through. And, and sometimes you, the carer, not being supported as well. And then you have to find that space, that capacity to be able to give and to care for the elderly parent. And especially in some cases, if your parent has dementia or some type of mental cognitive um condition where they're, they're not able to reason with you on a level to talk with you on a level you can feel alone you can feel very lonely and 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 what i encourage carers if you're in that position is to get support something which my mum and i didn't do was to get external support we felt we didn't have the time to do it i was still carrying on with my business um and and sometimes you can even have family members who are not there to support you as well. Mm -hmm. And and again, that can feel very lonely. It can feel very stressful. And um, 
and, and, and there's a lot to navigate around that, a lot of high emotional and mental stress around that. So definitely as carers, get the support that you need, mental and emotional support, as well as the physical support, carving out times, even if it takes one minute to rest. That's what I always um, say to my to my clients you know it doesn't have to be this sort of because sometimes we can grandiose what what rest can look like Mm -hmm. even if it's one minute going into the bathroom shutting that door and taking a few deep breaths that is helping you to signal to your brain and your nervous system it's okay we're safe we can be in this calm space okay so we've talked about chronic stress and burnout we talked about what it is we've talked about how it's caused and now I want to discuss how you treat it and and I know that you teach mindfulness and breathing Mm. um and what I want to explore now in a bit more depth is how um you that helps to heal the body and to quiet the mind so if you could just explain to our audience you know what your um your teaching practice and process is and I, I will confess that I watched one of your previous podcasts and you did a breathing exercise uh-huh. and I did it with you and it was so calming and I just afterwards I thought wow literally as I was listening because I was listening obviously to learn uh-huh. and I actually did the actual breathing exercise and I found it so helpful because I have done mindfulness in the past but I you know you slip back and forward and yeah. it was just really really interesting that it, it you know it, it helped me as a, even though I was doing it as a listening exercise. So I think it would be really good to explore that in depth for our, for our listeners. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's when I was in my recovery from the hospital. Um, and I learned, I learned different breathing techniques and similar to you listen to, to someone's podcast and I did it and I thought there's something in this, you know, and breathing is something that we think breathing, but I breathe all the time, but really we don't when we're stressed when we're burnt out, we're, we're more likely breathing in a shallow way. And it's not until we take the time to really focus on our breathing and breathe deeply from the body. And my method, which I called pause and breathe, is, is literally to help people to take time to pause from the busyness and literally breathe. So by taking that deep inhale through the nose into the belly and then just slowly releasing that air through the mouth on the exhalation, is a fantastic way of of really just just stamping out that that stress level just lowering it down and signaling like i mentioned before to the brain and the nervous system that we are safe and and we can be in that calm place and what I, what i've discovered in teaching because i've been teaching this since 2021 a lot of us, when we're stressed and we're burnt out, we're in our heads. We're in our heads all the time. The, the mind is busy with thought. And what I help my clients to do is to shift out of the headspace and come into the body. When we're stressed, we're cut off from the body because everything is about survival. It's about, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, and I've got to do it by this time. We're on time constraints. And by just simply switching off and just focusing on the breath, we enter into our body into our body space. Also, um, there's a statement that I use about living from rest and not from stress. And when we do the breathing, we are we are helping our bodies and our minds to enter into that space of rest. And, and, and it's from there that we're then able to think, okay, I'm at rest now. 
What is it that I need to do? What, what actions do I need to take? And we're doing it from a calm space rather than from a hurried space mm -hmm. and an urgent space. And by doing that, we're regulating our nervous system to go into that place of rest and digest rather than be in that hyper survival. So is it okay if I do a breathing exercise? Yes, go ahead. I think it's very useful. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to do a calm, what I call the calm breath where we're going to inhale for the count of four through the nose into the belly, and we're going to exhale through the mouth for the count of six. And then I'm going to do another breathing exercise, which I think you'll find useful, which is called the psychological sigh, which is a great one that we can all do on the move. All these breathing exercises we can do on the move. We don't have to be still. So I invite your listeners to take a seat. Well, they should be taking a seat, hopefully. <laughs> Or even if you're walking, listening to this podcast, you can be doing it as well. And um, you can close your eyes if you're sitting down or you could keep them open and simply start to inhale. I'm going to count you in and count you out. So inhale for the count of four. One, two, three and four into the belly. And now exhale through the mouth for the count of six, six, five, four, three, two, one inhale one two three four exhale six five four three two one inhale one two three four exhale through the mouth for six five four, three, two, and one. How do you feel, Christine? Thank you. I did that exercise and it actually, it does calm you and your voice is very soothing. So if I, you know, if I was on the go or, you know, sort of sitting quietly somewhere, that would really help me to sort of try and relax and bring myself back in rather than being out there in the busy, busy world. So thank you. That was very good. Yes, it's very simple and you know, we go into that calm space and, and then it allows our mind to also rest and decide on what your next action is going to be. Now, the next exercise I'll give is the psychological sigh. And this is a really good one. If you're, if you're feeling really in an anxious state, feeling really overwhelmed, feeling sort of too much in your head space, a psychological sigh helps to, to just quiet that mind down. So what we're going to do is, is uh, a quick inhale in through the nose and then we inhale again and then breathe out through the mouth all the way out until the exhalation has dissipated. And again, quick inhale in through the nose and again and exhale. Good. And one more time. Inhale in and again and exhale. Now, this is a great one, especially those of you who commute, commute on the tube, commute on the train, and you're feeling sort of panicked, anxious, overwhelmed, or you're just really, really busy. People are asking you to do things left, right, and center, or your children are trying you, <laughs> you know, or, you know, you're caring for an elderly parent and they're trying you, and you're just like, I can't take it today. Do the psychological sign, because that really helps you to get into that that zone, that space of clarity and focus so that you can move on in a calm state. 
Okay, so these are really short sort of exercises. So, so uh, are there sort of like longer sort of coaching sessions or, or or sort of guided sessions that you do that you, you think would help people if they've got more time to do more extended types of pause and breathing? Yeah, um, I do classes. Um, I do 40 minute classes where we go really deep into relaxing, deep relaxation for the, the body and the mind. There's also, I've produced a set of audios um, called Set Up Your Day for Calm. Um, it's a three set audio that helps people to start their day in, day in calm and then set themselves in calm during the middle of the day and then at the end of the day to be in that, that state of calm to help with sleep as well. So yeah, these are just the ones that I've just done, are very quick ones, but there are, there's space where we can go a lot more deeper and a lot more longer. Mm -hmm. I think there'll be a lot of um, black women listening to this podcast that will recognise the symptoms that we've been discussing today mm -hmm. in terms of chronic stress and burnout symptoms. And, you know, I sort of noticed your struggle that when you were talking about yourself and your mother about not having the time to look for and, and seek out external um, professional help. Um, just sort of in terms of giving some kind of, you know, experience guidance in relation to this, um, would you advise that, that, you know, if you recognise the symptoms that people get professional help as well as trying to use like self-help te techniques? Because I don't think one, one, one thing will be the panacea for everything. I think exactly. there needs to be a combination in my view. So what's your view in relation to that? Yeah, definitely a holistic approach. Um, and first is number one, to admit to yourself that you're struggling, that you've got the symptoms. Because like what I shared before, at first I was in denial and a lot of black women are living in denial. They're putting their head in the sand thinking, no, it's okay, it will go away, or they see it as a sign of weakness. So number one, admit it to yourself. Number two, reach out for the help. Go and seek help from a health professional like myself or your GP, an understanding GP. Because there are some GPs who will quite readily give you medication and tell you that you're depressed or if you're at a certain age that you're menopausal and you know so seek sound help and if you're not happy with the advice that you get from that health professional seek second advice as well and then I would say lastly yes use the self-help techniques um, and also it's also about a mindset and a lifestyle shift you have to be prepared to make the mindset and the lifestyle changes as well don't like some people I've come across they'll get the help but they'll still go back into the same lifestyle that they're living it doesn't work that way there has to be some changes thank you very much Lillian thank you for participating today in the podcast um, you mentioned some of your courses but you know I'd like you again to let our listeners know how they can contact you and how, how they can hear more about your work thank you Christine um, yes um, if they go to my Linktree site so it's linktree forward slash Lillian underscore Lati. You'll see everything that I offer on there. I offer a free de-stress and refresh audio, um, which they can download and listen at their, to their heart's content. Um, I also offer a complimentary 30 minute um, consultation, which is a personal one-to-one. -one. Um, and as I mentioned, I'm running once a month, I'm running my pause and breathe wellness classes for entrepreneurs, leaders, freelancers, whether you're self-employed or workplace professional, 
these classes are suitable for you. Um, they start on Wednesday the 20th of September and they will carry on once a month as well. And there's lots there on my Linktree site, so go and explore. Thank you so much. It's been very interesting um, and a fantastic podcast experience for us today. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. Hi, I'm Christine Dean, and today you've been listening to the Black Women's Wellness Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at blackwomens underscore wellness.